This is Daddy O from the legendary hip hop band Stetson Sonic. I only touch greatness. You're going to be checking out the conversations with Chad. Conversations with Chad because I only touch greatness right here. Yeah. The mayor of C Town, Ryan Hayes, and his big name guest. You on the radio, talking about rap, saying all that about how we sample, giving examples. Think we'll let you get away with that to criticize our methods or how we make records. You said it wasn't art, so now we're gonna rip you apart. Speaking of a girl named Susan. Speaking of a speaking of a girl named Susan. Of a girl named Susie said she'd do anything to suit me. Take off clothes or put them back on. Ain't that right? Why? Of them out. Oh, why? And daddy, yo, do a crime. End up in jail and, and gotta, gotta go. go. Cause you could do crime and get paid today. And tomorrow you're behind bars in the worst way. Far from your family. Cause you're locked away. Now tell me. Do you really think crime pays? You on taking what your brother had? You little sucker. You talking all that shit. Boy and big gun in their prime there. Duh. Tupac, Biggie, and BL do a crime there. Duh. DJ Doc, nice, aka Buff. Don't you think that it's enough, even Guru? Too poetic, I remember standing next to me. It also broke my heart about Houdini's ecstasy. Black Rob, I don't believe he's DMX, hard to believe he's ODB. Please don't tease me. Bring him back to life. What we want easy. Jam Master J, it was hard to hear. Greg Mack. He put the flavor in my ear. And the man named Dog coming from the west side. Shock G, who brought that Humpty Hump ride. And the world's most educated rapper, MD. And Mr. Magic's rap attack and what it meant to me. I'm coming with the bomb, so watch me begin to explode and unload. Like the Grand Funk Railroad. Non-stop like a vet with a soft top. It's 93 and I'm coming for my props. And what better way than to bounce? So you can get paid by the pound and more for the fucking ounce. It's the Brooklyn Sway. And as I let the music play, I wouldn't have it any other way. And if it sounds like something you heard before, it's all the more reason to get on the dance floor and rock with the play-by-play I announce of the Brooklyn Bounce. In the street ain't even had kids Pray for the folks can't even have kids I'm being watched and people saying Cause I'm kicking snares the whole summer Then I had kids Made me a sharpshooter Mace left Cooter Shauna left Luda I'm hitting symbols and toms so people saying Like Biggie said, it's in the plan Did a crash course, but didn't crash course Might have took a loss, but I ain't never lost Rapid fire repeat and people saying Good for my kids, but I ain't playing Daddy works in a rock and roll band Yep Vancouver's best show with Ryan Hayes. Often imitated but never duplicated, I Only Touch Greatness podcast with Ryan Hayes. Looking for the most beers on tap, great steaks, great staff? Head over to the John B. The John B. Pub, the best bar in town. Say hey, St. You. Scan the code and follow. 
often imitated but never duplicated, I Only Touch Greatness Podcast with Ryan Hayes. I Only Touch Greatness Podcast. Vancouver's best show with Ryan Hayes. There you are. Legend, by the way, I'm Ryan up here in Vancouver, Canada. It's nice to meet you. What's up, Ryan? How you doing? I'm joined with Chad Kaiser, and uh, he's in Kentucky. He's the one that hooked us all up. Oh, that's what's up. What's going on, man? I'm good, brother. How you doing? Uh, I'm straight. I'm straight. And uh, we're also joined by, in Kansas City with Prince Allen. Prince Allen, royalty, new rules on TikTok and IG. Well, royalty and one sex. So, honor. It's honor. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate that. <clears throat> Perfect. Might as well just jump right into this. Uh, born in New York. Uh, what was childhood like for you growing up? Um, I grew up in uh, I grew up in East New York, Brooklyn. So it was it was uh, it was it. You know, it's funny nowadays. People, you know, use the word street real light. I really grew up in the street, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, it was it, it was tough, you know. It was tough, but it was also, uh, you know, it was a lot of love, a lot of love in the household. Um, you know, three forms of music in my household: my music, my my brothers and sisters' music, and my parents' music. So, um, you know, I was able to kind of hear a, a plethora of things when I was growing up. Um, and music was an escape. Music definitely was an escape. Um, so. In the late seventies, when cats started bringing like equipment out in the park, was um, it definitely was an escape from sticking people up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got you know we got into the music. I mean, we you know we when we were younger, everybody was kind of doing a little bit of the like like singing group kind of thing you know like almost not all the way doo-wop but just you know kind of mimicking like black ivory and blue magic and the stylistics like that kind of thing like when we were younger like i'm talking about like 12 13 you know what i mean and then you know teenage years we got ruddy you know start picking up guns and all that and then like right at the tip of them teenage years was when pre-hip-hop came it wasn't even hip-hop it was just pre-hip-hop because really disco in the streets but it, it just it was it was a change it was like you know what i mean it, it's a big difference between hearing music in your house and hearing music like with big speakers outside <laughs> you know what i mean so like so you know that was just a change period if you wanted to be involved check out girls or whatever but then you know us a lot of me and my friends we actually wanted to be involved with it, period. You know what I mean? Like, how are they making that? Like, can we get our own equipment? Like, what is DJing? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we started getting into it like that. So at what age did you want to start taking it serious? Um, I would say probably in that 16, 17 area. Not like, not like record serious. Because I say this all the time, right? One of the things that people don't know is like, Nobody rapping wanted to make records, yo. Nobody. Because the, 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 the formula, if you listen to Run DMC's Here We Go, that was the formula. 
Now, if you say you hear my rhyme, we're going to have to fight because I just made the motherfucker up last night. It was always about a new rhyme every night. So nobody wanted to make records because making a record meant the, the same rhyme played over and over. So, so you know, I, I would say seriously in that and, and you know, starting to rhyme, the, the record part came a little later. You know what I'm saying? Like that came early 20s, like. That's when the whole, you know, formulation of Stetson Sonic came and all of that. And I'm like, oh, you know, like we could actually make a group and start making some noise. You know what I mean? Like and 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 even that noise wasn't in the beginning. It, it wasn't career noise. Right. Even on my second album, you can hear a record I got on my second album called Stet Troop. And you hear me say. Um, some people call me Kareem at work. They call me Glenn. I was on tour last year. This year I'll do it again. Like literally I was taking a leave of absence from work to go on tour and come back. So it, was, it, it wasn't in our head yet that we could totally get paid and do this as a career. And who were some of your early influences that you wanted to be like? So, so my biggest influence is is um is is Lil Rodney C from um Funky Four Plus One More. Um, they made a record. Well, there was tapes in the street anyway, but they, you know, when they end up making records on, on um Enjoy Records with Bobby Robinson, um, um one of the one of the one of the rhymes that Rodney C has says um um he says um um. Another MC when he running down rhymes, but half the time he just running down mine. But that's okay because I know someday I'll put him in check and take his rep away. And I'm like, I want to do that. So Rodney C, definitely Melly Mel because of the command. Like the first time I ever saw Mel on stage, I never saw anybody command a crowd like that in my life. And I have been watching bands and all of that my whole life, but watching singers and watching rappers is two totally different things. So, you know what I'm saying? Watching singers, singers grab command because they were like singing high notes or doing dope stuff with harmonies or maybe doing some steps on stage or whatever. But I had never seen anybody do what Mel did where he just walks on the stage and say, everybody just put your hand in there and wave. You know what I mean? Like I had never seen that kind of control. So Mel, um, definitely Kumo D early days, probably way before you guys knew Mo D. Not the how I'm not the how you like me now, Mo D. That's not the Mo D I'm talking about. I'm talking about the treacherous three Mo D because lyrically he was unmatched. And you know, although people you know have that whole thing in their head about what happened when the records came about and him and LL went into that, the the treacherous three Kumo D was unmatched lyrically. It was only one guy that could touch him back then. It was a cat named Silver Fox. And Fox was dope, but Fox was the only one. And then later on, he had a, a another kind of, um, you know, like a equal, I don't know if you want to call it equal, but kind of competitor with DLB from the um, Fearless Four. Because DLB had it. To, but a lot of guys didn't have that kind of lyrical prowess. We were all party rappers. You know what I mean? And so, you know, the reason that guys like Mo D was an influence because they wasn't necessarily party rappers. They was actually making words do acrobatic stuff that we wasn't because we would just clap your hands, stomp your feet, boogie on down to the sure shot beat. And he was way beyond that. 
So last one of mine before I shoot it to, to chat here. Uh, 1981, he started Stetsasonic with Prince Paul. Uh, tell us how that all started and got together. So Stet, so Stet started with me and Delight. Um, we used to be part of a religious community together, and um, we we decided to formulate a group. We always knew we wanted to do three MCs. It took us a long time to find out who the third MC was going to end up being permanently. I mean, we went through a plethora of guys, but um. Once we started formulating what we were doing, we just started try trying to figure out what the other elements of the band was going to be. We ended up becoming a band anyway, but what the elements of the group was going to be. The way we found Paul is um, there's projects in, in Brooklyn called the Brevoit Projects, and they do the thing called Brevoit Day. That's where Fab is from. Fab is from Brevoit. And they do a thing called Brevoit Day. But when, when, the summer, when the summer is happening in New York, like there's block parties in the summer because school is out. There's block parties on the summer every th every two blocks, every three blocks. There's block parties. There's block parties. There's block parties. So, <clears throat> Brevoit Day, it was a big block party in the in the circle. It's always a big joint going on in the circle. But on one of these side blocks, somebody had equipment out, and you know it was decent speakers, and they was playing. And we heard somebody cutting up. That caravan record, Liquid Liquid, that um, later on Melly Mel would make white lines off of it. But the person was killing it. And we look over, we see this little dude doing it, and he's smashing it. And that was Prince Paul. He was 17. You know, we asked him to be in a group. We had to get permission from his moms and everything. Um, and then, you know, um, DBC was a guy that made, he already was making music like he already had music. Uh, Fuquan and Wise came from the neighborhood and Bobby came from Brownsville. And that's how we ended up putting it all together. Okay, Chad, shoot one, bud. Hey, uh, so Daddy Yo, so being in hip-hop as long as you have and, and seeing all the different um, eras that the culture has gone through, in your opinion, what's the, what's the best era or the best year of hip-hop? I can only tell you my favorite year. 88 is my favorite year. I don't know if that's the best year. I have conversations with people about what they call golden era all the time. And I say there's possibly more than one golden era. Right? Because okay. you could say the golden era when it was me, Chuck, KRS-One, Slick Rick, Dougie, Light, etc. But then what do you call when Wayne was putting out them fireman tapes? Or what do you call the era of Biggie and Tupac, right? Like, it's it's very difficult to, to judge. But um, for me, it's 88 because it's, it's right after 86 and 87. 86 and 87 is that real emergence that we are serious about making these records. It's no joke now. This is not when Sylvia was doing Rapper's Delight. This is not... When Bobby Robinson was putting out those treacherous three records or whatever, these are guys like Stetson Sonic and Public Enemy and Slick Rick that are putting uh, a KRS One and Boogie Down Productions that are putting their heart and soul into making a masterpiece, a disc, a real record, a A right. and a B side real record, right? Getting mastered by. Her powers and some of the bigger mastering 
studios and stuff like that. So even sonically, right, we we starting to be real serious. And that year, 88, a few of those records, including our Info Gear that dropped 88. Honestly, bro, especially now that I got like Tidal, Spotify, Apple Music, even sonically, besides for a handful of guys, those records are unmatched, just the way, even the way they sound. Yeah, so my favorite yeah. year is 88. Yeah, my, my favorite year is 88. Uh, and so so you brought up the uh, In Full Gear album. So when you look at making a masterpiece like that, what goes into making a classic album like In Full Gear in your eyes? Because I know you mentioned the Sonics and stuff like that, but, you know, what goes into cohesively making, uh, you know, a classic masterpiece album like that? What's it? So, so, so again, right, it, 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 I don't know the process of other groups. I do know a lot about Public Enemy because me and Chuck was kind of connected at the hip. And while we were doing what we were doing, they were doing what they were doing. But then a lot of other the groups that was out, I don't really know how they do it. I would say trial, error, and experimentation. That's what I would say. Because, right. you know, we, we're experimenting with all types of stuff. Not only um, um, speakers in the studio, but um, 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 you know, outboard gear. Um, you know, uh, you you know, uh, you know, you know what what buttons we turning, what echo chambers we're using. Um, even 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 um uh, uh, on on file, we 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 mixed to half um um quarter inch. When we did in full gear, we mixed to half inch. You know, so a lot of it was us. I'm talking Stetsasonic now. Us kind of cutting out musical teeth, you know. Um, but I say experimentation um, because you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do like you gotta try to figure some of that stuff out. Like, you know, what's gonna happen? What's gonna be next? You know, how things are gonna sound? Then later on, what's gonna sequence it? All of those particular things. So, um, and then study. You know, study is a big, big thing because, you know, when you're making great records and I know this just from being a producer, you got to A and B stuff. You know what I mean? You got to you, you're going to listen to some stuff that was already made and 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 kind of A, B your stuff to make sure that it's up to par. Hey, did no one else hear him? I can't hear him. Okay. Yeah, no, no, I, was, I, I wasn't talking. Okay. I was just making oh, sure okay. that wasn't me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so I wanted to switch gears for a second on you, daddy. -o. Um, you've had your hands in quite a few areas outside of hip hop, like the remark, the remix work that you did with like Sonic Youth, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Sublime, uh, Barry White, even tell me about getting involved in those types of projects. So there's two sides to it. One is there's a woman, she's a movie maker now, still a good friend of mine named Lisa Cortez, that we were all managed by Rush, right? Rush Artist okay. Management, um, all managed by Russell Simmons and Leo Cohen. And Lisa came up with an idea to do um, this, this company called RPM, Rush Producers Management, as a, as a, a 
another stream of income that she could take the guys that were in the group, myself, Grandmaster D, Jam Master J, God bless the dead, um, um, Prince Paul, um, um, of course, the bomb squad that was making the public enemy records and actually, you know, set up a separate stream of income for us to just be producers outside of the, the groups that we were working with, like the groups that we were in. Um, mm -hmm. So that's that's how it started. The way I ended up working with the alternative groups is because I already knew that music. So when any work came in for the alternative stuff, I always took it because I, I already was listening to Rock Lobster by the B-52s. I already knew who Sublime was. I already knew who Sonic Youth was. A lot of my peers didn't. Like I always make the joke of having to pu push Prince Paul to working with Fine Young Cannibals. Like he did okay. the remix to She Got Me Crazy, but he didn't want to do it. And I was like, oh, Paul, wow. you got to do the cannibals. You know what I mean? But they they wasn't into that music. I was into that music. So that's how I ended up, you know, like working with other genres of music, because most of the other genres of music that I work with, I already was incredibly abreast of. Like even working with Third World, I was already way ahead of working with Third World and Eka Mouse and, and, and Daddy Freddy. I was way ahead of the curve because I was a big reggae fan anyway. So most of the work that I've done as a producer, it's even the same way I make records now. Like when you see the features on my records, the features on my records are all my favorite rappers, the guys I love. So you'll see Bun B on my record. You'll see Pasa Noose from De La Soul on my record. But these are the rappers I love. Like I only do records with rappers that I love. Rusty Jooks, you know what I mean? Like these are the guys I love. Andre Nicotina, you know what I'm saying? I love these guys. So I end up, and it's the same way that I work with that with those particular projects like it was stuff that i really really liked i already had liked the b-52s way earlier than working with them on love shack i had already liked red hot chili peppers way earlier than working with them on higher ground etc etc prince okay, you want to cool. shoot one yeah yeah um i'll rp plug two like um seeing you know Coming from, you know, being a De La Soul fan, like, how was it working? In, in, was you in the studio whenever they was doing Three Feet High and Rising? Like, how was I, no, no. So I wasn't in the studio for most of it. Let me tell you. So the De La story goes like this. <coughs> well, um, I like, I'm going to tell the story, but I like the way Chuck D tells it better. But Chuck's not here right now, so I'll tell the story. So there's a tour. It's, it's a, a tour called the Def Jam Tour. The top rung of that tour is two headliners, uh, LL Cool J and Houdini. Step down from that is Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince and Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh crew. Step down from that right dead in the middle is Eric B and Rakim. And then on the lower rung, the last two groups that opened the tour is Public Enemy and Stetsasonic. Now, everybody that I just mentioned had their own tour bus. But the two biggest groups that I just mentioned that opened the show, both that got six members plus, shared a bus. So Public Enemy and Stetsasonic are sharing this bus. And three albums get written in that bus. 
in full gear by Stetsasonic. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back by public enemy. And a little DJ by the name of Prince Paul from Long Island is in the back writing three feet high and rising. So what happens is we get back. We start recording in full gear. Paul comes to me one day and plays this record called Plug Tuning and says, what do you think? Because I don't know what it is, but this is, remember the little guys that come in here because Daylight used to always come in the studio with us. Most people don't know Daylight Soul got their name from us, from a B-side of a Stetsasonic record called Rock De La Stet. And that's where they got their name from. De La Stet, De La Soul, right? <coughs> Excuse me. So he says, yeah, this is, the, you know, this, this is Dave and them record that be in the studio with us, that be hanging out in the studio with it. I thought it was amazing. I actually had three deals on the table by Monday. Tommy Boy just reacted quicker than everybody else. Um, but, um, you know, it was, it was, these guys had a different, first of all, Paul always had that kind of music in him, but it couldn't all work for Stet. You know, a lot of it was too playful. And it wasn't going to work for a Stetsasonic record, being that playful. Even some of the records, you'll hear some of that playful stuff that Paul did for us on pretty much on all the records besides for On Fire, not not so much. But on In Full Gear, you got um, music for the Stephanie Insane. Um, you got Prince Paul's a sucker on um on um blood, sweat, no tears. Like, you know, he would do that. And 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 you know, in moderation is fine for us, but we just couldn't be that playful with all of the things that we wanted to say. So um we we did record at the same studio, and I was privy to a few of those sessions, but you know, it wasn't my thing. I'm you know, I'm trying to make step records at the same time. Perfect. Can you tell us about your favorite venue you've ever performed at? Because I know that I've I've seen a few things like Chuck D talked about your two hour show that you guys did over in I believe it was Amsterdam. Paradiso. Oh, yeah, okay. Amsterdam. Okay. Uh, yeah. can, can, can you tell us about the favorite venue you've ever performed in? Um, that's hard. That's real hard. But it's probably it's probably Brixton Academy. It's probably Brixton Academy in London. I mean, we did do some bigger shows. We did a huge show in Dakar. Um, I don't know how many people that was, maybe 150,000 maybe. And then we did 90,000 at Wembley Arena, and that was nice. But um, I love rock and roll rooms. Um there's something totally different about a rock and roll room, right? Like a CBGB's uh, that used to like those kind of rooms are just kind of set up and, you know, in, in a different, in a different kind of way. So I love rock and roll rooms. So Wembley is kind of the combination. Wembley is probably the first technical house of blues type of venue. Cause that's what they try to do with all the house of blues venues. They try to give you a big, a big feel. So you almost got a stadium kind of feel, but then you got 
what you get in the club venue, which is the great monitors and and those type of things. But for me, it's it's probably it's it's probably um Brixton Academy. Okay, and I gotta ask you a question about I got the movie going in the background, CB four. Can you uh, you you were part of the soundtrack, one of the best movies right. of all time, and soundtracks. To, I had the soundtrack as a kid. Sweat on my balls and bitches on my dick like a human shish kebab. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, <clears throat> my good friend Nelson George, who also helped out with the first self-destruction record, um, was working at that time with a young up-and-coming comedian named Chris Rock. And um, they they wrote this movie and um he came to me and said, Hey man, you know, we got this thing we're doing. Um, we want to involve hip hop, and a lot of it is very parody. And some of it is NWA parody. We know we we know we want your voice. And then they had to find high C because it really was supposed to be me and Easy E. But it ended up being me and High C. But they but but um once they found High C, they found you know pretty good a a, a good match for you know somebody for Chris Rock who who was High C, somebody for Alan Payne who was me. And then um we got together and we we did a few things and then and Modi did some stuff on that too. He that I'm black, I'm black, I'm black. That's that's cool, Modi. <laughs> BDB black yeah. y'all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I literally just watched this movie with some girl at my house like two nights ago. So I, I had it <laughs> I, I, I had it I had it queued up, ready to go. Uh we're we're gonna send her to Chad here. Yeah, so you just mentioned uh, self-destruction. Um, when you guys put that together, take us through the process of of putting um, and getting the likes of Kumo D and Heavy D, uh, rest in peace, D-Nice, uh, and all the other incredible and legendary artists together in orchestrating that project um, back in 88. So, so, so for the original self-destruction, it came off the, I don't want to say heels, but it came out of the, what KRS-One had already going on, which was a stop the violence movement. And um, idealistically, what ended up happening was, um, you know, there was some deaths that happened. One in particular incident that happened at Nassau Coliseum where a young kid got killed for his chain. And the press was just kind of hurling, you know, Molotov, press you know molotov cocktails at us like you know you guys are the cause you guys are the cause of this violence you guys are the you know those particular things if you remember a little earlier than that um tribe called quest had got us all together for an album cover i don't know if you remember that album cover with all of us on it um, midnight marauders so the, the midnight marauders thing right so so we um you know, kind of getting everybody together was not not that hard. There was a venue in New York named um, Latin Quarter that we all, most of us, most of the artists on that venue, I mean, on that song, Self Destruction, used to perform on it. So it wasn't really hard to get us and get us to come together. And once we understood that it was for a cause, um, I think I think we all I think we all you know we all said yes I, I i like i said i think one of the most amazing things about that particular project is that some of the people on that record you didn't expect to be doing those kind of things 
You know what right. I mean? Like you really didn't expect Hev to spit that. You didn't even really expect Modi to spit that. You know, I often talk about um Red Alert and and and, and Molly Maul actually showing some unity in that video because at that time there was like this little beef between the two of mm -hmm. them and the and, the, and those two crews. You know what I mean? So yep. um yeah, and it was just you know it's just us, just ice who you never would have thought would do a record and tell somebody to either stop fighting or putting his gun down or whatever. Um, so that I think that that was um that was probably one of the most amazing things about it. And again, I mean, loosely based, but you know, loosely based on it's like the hip hop we are the world. You yeah, know what I exactly. mean? I mean, yeah, you know what I'm saying. It was it was that kind of situation. It was, but our issue was totally different than what Michael and Lionel and them sang about. Yeah, and then now 30 years later, you and Chuck D back with a new project and movement called uh, Stop Self-Destruction. Um, yes, tell sir. us about this new endeavor with you, Chuck, and uh, and everybody else who's going to be a part of this this movement. So so Stop Self-Destruction is, is, is a movement um, to combat a little bit let me not say a little bit let me just put it this way stop self-destruction is a movement to combat more than we did on the first record on the first record violence was our main topic it's not like violence in the street is not an important thing now but now we have an opioid crisis now we have suicide i say it all the time you never thought that you would hear suicide and hip-hop in the same sentence Hip hop was all about life, all about life, all about life. You never thought that some of this sadness and some of this darkness would actually creep in. And so now we 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 have we have a crisis. And 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 what we would like to do is be a soundtrack, you know, for the people on the street, a soundtrack for the people that's doing the real work. A lot of these people, including like mayors, like this guy Warnock that just got elected in 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 Atlanta, and and Mayor Adams in New York, they don't really have any help. And from what I see, maybe I'm wrong, but from what I see, I don't really see any plans either. Okay, so what happens is, you know, it's where we at Wednesday, Monday, the numbers is going to be crazy. Shoot, the numbers in Kansas City is crazy right now. You understand? I'm, when I say numbers, I mean murder numbers, the shooting numbers, right? So, so what we want to do is lend an ear to what what needs to be we, we want to put uh the eyeballs and the ears how chuck say it chuck chuck says people see with their eyes right now mm -hmm. okay and he ain't never lied because i never forget i was dealing with a young person one time when i was doing a and r and i asked him did they hear a record and the young person answered me and said yeah i saw that video yeah and so he ain't never lied like people see what you know hear with their eyes so what we want to do is lend light and 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 you know and 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 awareness on these particular situations, you know, whether it be you know teen pregnancy or or, or, or whatever, so so that people can understand what's going on. Undemonize the kids because the kids are being demonized. Undemonize the kids. I say this all the time. These kids are not demons. They might be doing some demonic shit, but they're right. not demons. And right. make a very clear and make a very clear point. That you're gonna hear Daddy O talk about all the time. We are absentee fathers in hip hop because if Young Thug is not my son, then whose son is he? Henny right. Rogers' son, Bob Marley's son, 
No, maybe Ron, Ron, John Bon Jovi's son. No, these are <laughs> our sons. So they might be doing something crazy, but the bottom line is that now we got to go back. I don't know if you saw, Um, I don't know if y'all saw this or not. I'm an old man. The, 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 the Stallone just had put out a series called Tulsa King. Oh, yeah. And then, I love that show. Oh, yeah. Okay. That so shows, you see how that he had to get awesome. back with his daughter? You see how he had to get back with his daughter? Yeah, 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 yep. That's how we gotta get that's how we gotta get back with them. You right. see how long it took? Because he was mm -hmm. away for so long, and the beginning she ain't want nothing to do with him. Yep. You understand what I'm trying to say? But then you gotta work your way back in. So we we have a job to do. One of the things that we're doing with this, even through the records, is uniting that. So, like, we've already got a record finished that we're waiting for Toby and Wigway to mix. But it's Toby and Wigway, Chuck D, Daddy-O, Big Crit, West Side Boogie. See how that oh, works? Damn. That's three generations of hip-hop. Hell yeah. That's dope. You know what I'm saying? That's three generations of hip hop. West Side, younger than Toby. Then comes Toby. Then comes Crit. Then comes Daddy on Chuck. You understand what I'm trying to yeah. say? So we that's 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 what we want to do. We want to not only unite it on records, but I want to get people together, period, to talk. You know what I mean? It, it's it's going to make me happy to put Kumo D in a room with a T Grizzly or or, or, or Kodak Black. I'm going to be happy about that. Modi ain't yeah. got to rap with them if you want to, but I think that they need to hear some of them life skills. Because a lot of times they don't hear our life skills except for on social media. And that's not cool because we supposed to be family and we they daddies. So what we look like just communicating that way. We might have to right. communicate with young dog that way because we ain't got no other way to communicate with Thugger <laughs> right now. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. With somebody else, we can yeah. actually talk to T Glock right now. You know what I'm saying? We 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 can actually talk to Roddy Rich right now. We can actually talk to Rod Wave right now. We can actually talk to Glorilla right now. You know what I mean? And so those that's part of the effort of stop self destruction, along with the idea of making sure that people are clear of what the pain is out there. You know, opioid addiction is pain. A lot of teen pregnancy is pain. Gun violence is pain. Suicide is pain. And these things, we don't know about them until they kill themselves. Right? And that's not cool because we're not getting right. to them quick enough. You know what I mean? And so that's what we want to do. And stop being absentee fathers, man. For real. Like, step up to the plate. Yeah. That's, that's every my peers. And they know how I get down. That's good. Not, not enough people That's talk dope. about That's mental dope. health. We can't wait to see more of uh, of this movement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Facts. And yeah, not enough people talk about mental health, and, ex and especially guys. Guys don't get a chance to talk to about mental health. So when yeah. I when I when I see it happening, it's good. Yeah. Hey, listen. Let me tell you something that happened to me. So you notice the first Stetsasonic video was technically Africa, right? We that we had not had a physical video before Africa. Let me tell you how Africa came about. A guy named Danny Shea, he's dead now, but you can look him up. Incredible guy. A guy named Danny Schechter, the news dissector. He used to work for ABC 2020, right? The publicist at Tommy Boy took us to Danny's house up in um uh Lincoln Center, which is where the ABC studios are and a lot of even the soap opera. Um, actors and stuff 
um, used to used to have apartments. We go to Danny's crib. It's VCR days, right? He puts on this VT VCR about apartheid, and in this VCR, they they we shown the necklacing where they take a tire and put it around somebody's neck with gasoline in it and light it up, right? They showing us all of this wicked stuff that's going on in South Africa about apartheid. I'm going to your point about talking about something. He shows us this video. This video is incredibly sad. He stops the video. He looks at me. He says, daddy, why y'all not talking about this? Ain't that what rappers do? <laughs> Immediately, me and Fuquan go to write this record. You understand what I'm trying to say? So that's the same kind of <laughs> challenge, like what you're talking about. We need to talk. Ain't that what rappers do, though? I mean, yeah. ain't that what rappers do? Like we were supposed yeah, yeah. to always be the voice in the wilderness. We was also always, always supposed to be the what's that thing they call bullhorn, whatever they call that thing, that bullhorn thing. We was always supposed to be that Me megaphone. And so, megaphone. Yes, we was always supposed to be that man. You know what I mean? So, 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 so we just all me. I'm not telling you that me and Chuck has stopped because we haven't okay if, if you check out record we haven't stopped however we want to make it a little more vibrant and involve more people you know what i mean and, and that's yeah. kind of sort of from the last couple of years that me and chuck been messing around with spit slam and all of that and noticing man we can't just win at scotty and mike you know hey, what I mean? Like you, we need it. We, you're gonna need some other. You're gonna need somebody else on the team in order to win. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, we we involve people. A recent a recent guest on our show, we had, uh, Prince. I might be stealing your question. Uh, a recent guest that we had on the show, E Love. Do you cross paths mm -hmm. with them being Chuck D's buddy as well? Right. You, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, um, um, we we talk not a lot, but we talk. Okay. Okay. You also had the new song, or recently a new song, Drummer Man. The video was great. It kind of reminded me of like Thank that you, Will Smith movie. Uh, yeah. I am I am Legend. I think it is. Uh, yeah. yeah, it kind of reminded me of that. Good song too. Thank you, sir. Thank um, you. What was it like working with Nicotina on drugs? Oh man, that was incredible. Like I, you know, that's my guy. You know what I mean? So like, I, I can't say I came up to Andre Nicotina because he probably came up to me, right? I I was rapping before him, but like, it's a couple of joints. Like for instance, when Rock the Bells asked me to do um. What's this thing Rock the Bells does? Uh, they call it the Fab Five or something like that. And they ask you to do five rap records or whatever, right? Train With No Love was my number one. Because I feel like that's the best beginning, middle, and end rap record ever. That is the... And I've heard some great stories. The, 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 the Nas record where he's the bullet. That's a good one. But that Train With No Love is so incredible, yo. You know what yeah. I mean? And so um, I just wanted to work with Nicotina because I knew his wordplay and he gave me exactly what I wanted. 
I knew his wordplay was going to be crazy. You know what I mean? My pastor did a bump in the strip club, that kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I knew he was going <laughs> to give me like Nicotina. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? And that, I mean, like I said, man, I, I work with my favorite rap. Like I'm a little different than most New Yorkers. Definitely. If you want to call me an old schooler, I'm a lot different than most old school cats because what I gravitate toward besides for the stuff that raised me like Rodney C and them is not really what everybody else gravitates toward. Cause I'm such a big fan of the fact that hip hop expanded beyond the five boroughs. I'm, I'm, you know, like before he died, Breed and 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 Flint. That was one of my guys. Yes. That's like yeah, yeah. MC. You know what I mean? Like, and I made Breed know, and I spoke about him in my records and all of that. You know what I mean? Because it, what he was doing wasn't nothing that L.A. was doing, nothing Houston was doing. Nobody was doing what he was doing. And I want, you know, what I'm saying, like, I, I'm such a big fan of that. Like when it comes, and it's just like whoa, this is just you, bro. Like, this ain't got nothing to do with us. Yes, it's rap, but it ain't got, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm such a huge fan of that expansion. So the same thing with Nicotina. Nicotina is Bay Area, but that's straight Sacramento, bro. That is yeah. not Oakland. That's not yeah. Richie. That's not Forte. You understand? <clears throat> that's not 40. That's Sac. Yeah. And I love that. I no, love no, Richie Rich, it's too. Like, That's a like guest on the show. Like, it's like being in Portland and listening to Cool Nuts. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. The, I got two I, more questions oh, I wanted no. to shoot. Oh, okay. Prince, you, Prince, you go ahead first, though. All right. So I I wanted to you know go back because I remember you said you was on your face was on Midnight Marauders, and I got this right. right. And right, I think right. you're up. You're up right top there. with right uh, there, yep. Chuck D. Yeah, Chuck yep. D. And shout out to Mr. Chuck oh. D. Because I'm, you know, I'm part of the Hip Hop Alliance with Curtis Blow and Chuck D. And and a lot right. of people off of Clubhouse. So yeah. how was it being a part of that, man? Like, like, how did that all come about too? With the Man I Marauders, like, how, who who hit you back? Like, did what? Did Kip? Did uh, Tip? Hit you up or, you know, or you know, what's interesting? What's interesting is this. I say this all the time, and it's interesting that they both records on Josh, self-destruction in that record. No disrespect to us. And when I say us, I mean producers, rappers, performers. But when you speak about the first self-destruction, you would be, I'll be totally amissed and like a dickhead. I mean, just a straight dickhead without mentioning Ann Carly and without mentioning Nelson George. Because they help mm -hmm. put things together. A lot of times people talk about the um, hip hop breaking up or some of the things going wrong with us and all of that kind of stuff. The only thing wrong is that we stopped dealing with teams. Right. We stopped dealing with teams. We, you know, in the beginning, I tell people this all the time. We had a, 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 a total departments inside of record companies and publicity and promotion was not the same company. Do you understand what I'm saying? And neither was marketing. So marketing, publicity, and promotion, three different departments. Now with the internet, right. people try to make it sound, sound like it's one thing. It's not. Okay? And so I, I'm, I'm saying that to say that Ann Carly was instrumental in a whole, a whole lot of things that went down around Jive, you know, and helping out with all of that particular situation. So... We it wasn't like, yes, 
We know Q-Tip. We know Shahi. We, you know, God bless the dead. We knew Fife, but we didn't get a call from Q-Tip or Fife or Shahi. We got a call from Jive. You see what I'm trying to say? And so um, it's the same thing that we say now, which is why, you know, we work with people like Teresa and, 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 and opposition and all that. It's difficult, bro, to be an artist and you out and you, you, I'm an artist. I'm supposed to be doing my own artwork too. Like what? Like it's, it's, it's so that's, that's what gets so weird now versus then. And, and, and sad to say, but true, but it is true. That's why a lot of songs don't have longevity. Because there's because it might sound good the first two days. And guess what? It does get on radio for the first two days. And it does penetrate your mind for the first two days. And then you forget about it. And you know why? Because you made it all by yourself. Mm -hmm. yep. You never got a chance to run that by nobody else. Because somebody else would have told you something. It might have been a small, little, teeny thing. A small, little, teeny thing that would have gave it lasting ability that would have gave it some kind of timeless quality or whatever so you know long answer to a short question but even on this project that's one of the things that we want to do we want to show the value of teams and how it, it you know how that matters to have people come together and do things together um yeah. why did it why did it take 30 years for you guys to do another group album uh here we go again um life that's yeah. all i could tell you is life i mean um 2016 i picked up the mic again um you're busy it being was, a boss it, it, it yeah it wasn't it wasn't um it wasn't planned um got with my partner lion we formed old dad truth i started making records i started seeing how okay don't take this word the wrong way, but I start seeing how easy it was to make records and difference to how I made them when I had a two inch tape. You understand where I didn't have to stripe sympathy and all of this kind of stuff and wait and, you know, work on my overdubs. Now, digitally, I was able to do it. So the convenience of digital put me in a different place. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I could do four of these bad boys a year if I wanted to. You know, where back in the day, I just couldn't do it. You know what I mean? And I'm doing it, doing my thug dizzle, you know, doing shows, putting out records or whatever, you know, and on and on, on and off. I would talk to the guys. I would talk to the guys. What happened was we went to, uh, we did a show in the Netherlands. And before Stetson Sonic does any runs, because when we do shows, we usually do runs. We don't usually do one show. It's usually, you know, back to back something. And a lot of times it's not in America. Um, so we get ready to go to the Netherlands. We always rehearse in New York at the same place. And so we we was a few days in New York rehearsing, went, did the show. And then we were a few days in New York coming back before we all flew back out. And during that time, they seen me shoot two videos and get, you know, they just seen me getting busy, go up to Hot 97, do an interview, all of that. And I think it kind of clicked. And I'm, I'm like, see what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Because, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my peers, you know, I've had conversations with Shan. I've had conversations with Big Daddy Kane. I've had conversations with Positive K. 
I've had conversations with Dana Dane. I've had conversations with Grandmaster Kaz. I've had conversations with Roxanne Shantae. A lot of my peers are really, I, I, and they know me, so I don't pull no punches. It feels to me like they shook. Like they're not really sure about putting anything out because they're like, what does that mean? And I'm saying, yo, bro, yo, sis, if you got 15 fans, it means everything to those 15 people. Everything. Everything. You understand what I'm trying to say? So, so, so yeah. the bottom is that I, I, I you, 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 this is what I, what I say to my peers. We want to give parents bragging rights. So here's the deal. You got a little kid. Most of the time, let me explain. When you're in the car with your kids, in most cases, they're the ones controlling the aux cord or the Bluetooth. <laughs> yeah. You understand what I'm trying to say? Because most yep. of the time, if you control the aux cord or the Bluetooth, you're putting on something from 88. And no disrespect to daddy, yo, but it might sound old. <laughs> and so your kids are kind of like, yeah, dad, I hear what you're doing. But it sound old. But if you put on something like drummer man in your car, they like, Dad, who's that? And you'd be oh. like, that's a guy from my time. He's 60 years old. <laughs> no, I told you not. it's a great record. I told you it's a great <laughs> no, song. He not. You understand? So we want to give parents bragging rights. We because here's the key, man. And this is part of stop self-destruction. Like, so part of the things that we do with soft self-destruction, besides for musically, like. I'm going to do these forums in these neighborhoods, come to a place like Kansas City and do a forum called Grandmamas and Gangsters, right? Where I put gangsters and grandmamas around a round table and working people, the, 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 the postman, the, the guy who don't got no job and all of that. And I just right. want, I want to tape it. I'm, I'm, ta I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself by taping it, saying tape. I want to record it, right? And, and, <laughs> right. and I want to and, and hear what they got to say because ain't nobody talking to each other. You understand what yeah. I'm trying to say? Yeah, that's we, right. We, we so divided, especially musically, we so divided. Now, part of the reason we divided on the hip-hop side, and this is just Daddy O talking his shit, is because a lot of my peers ain't spitting that fire right now. So if you start, if 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 if, if you in 2023 and, and you go, I don't want to hear that right now, bro. You understand? And that's no disrespect to what it was <laughs> when it was what it was, but that's not what it is right now. It don't. I, you don't hear me on no trap beats, so it don't mean I got to sound like Drake or Roddy or none of them either, but I'm still going to do what, what I supposed to do and make it sound new enough because it's, it's it, honestly, it's a lot easier now to do that than it was in the past. That's for sure. You know what I mean? Right, right. Basically, you know, being authentic and keeping up with the times too. Exactly. And, 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 and trying to unite people because my, my, my reality is when you end up with in the room with some of these young rappers and they see that you spit fire today, you gain their ultimate respect, you know, and now they respect you, not just because you was their dad's, one of their dad's favorite rappers. Cause right now you, you might be getting respect because you was one of their dad's favorite rappers. And they go, oh, my dad used to listen to you. My dad loved your group. Da 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 da. That's cool. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But if you impress him now, 
he'd probably be able to show his dad something that I'm doing now because his dad ain't on the internet like that. His dad ain't on yeah. YouTube like that. His dad ain't on TikTok or Instagram like that. So his dad ain't seeing the new daddy old stuff. But he is. You see what I'm trying to say? So that, you know, a lot of times we just want to make, we want to make a lot of that make sense. Chuck D and I have been on that since the very beginning. Anybody could tell you, you know, Chuck was the first one to put Sir Mix-a-Lot on tour, to put Luke and them on tour, to put Ham on tour. I mean, first guy to actually offer them stages because it was like, yo, come on, you hip hop, let's go. You understand what I'm trying to say? Like before anybody else was doing it, when everybody was just super big fans of like, oh, we from New York, you know, it gotta be from New York. No, it gotta just be us. Me and Chuck was like, are y'all bugging right now? Like, are you bugging right now? Like, no, you're going to do what you're going to do. And you're going to be really good at it. And guess what? Shy D going to be in Atlanta doing what he does. And he's going to be good at it, too. You know what I mean? Lead, get yeah. out of that mode, man. Come out of there. Yeah. So in order to put this on Instagram, we got to keep her under an hour. So that we got to pretty much wrap this up pretty quick here. Uh, I honestly... I, your stories were great. Uh, the story, the story you told, and uh, I learned a lot about you and what I didn't know already. And um, I thank Chad for helping make this ha all happen here too with me and Prince. We've been doing this for maybe since June of 2020. We have 600 episodes. Nice, uh, nice. We we pumped them out. I it is a sports podcast, so I do sports people i do prospects i do everything at ufc wwf a lot of rappers uh, this has been a really good one and we're starting something good me and chad here so right this is an honor man this is a very honor oh yeah um, for, for hey, the culture no. for real like just being a part of the culture and being uh, a hip-hop fan in general and wanting to know things about you because I'm that generation now that wants to want more of the you know the younger ones to understand y'all so that's why I do what I do so it's always an honor you know what I mean thank so you, thank you it's an honor to be here man it's an honor to be here and good album too because I listened to that album that you had last thank year you. too so I'm, <laughs> I'm, rocking <laughs> it. I'm gonna, be, it's gonna be on rotation <laughs> <laughs> 